Well, it's wonderful to be here at St. John's. Uh, my name is Elizabeth DeRuff, and I'm a priest in the diocese, and I was sponsored here at St. John's. And my husband, David, uh, was on the vestry. Uh, my son, John, has gone through the youth group as well as our older two children. So it's an honor to be here today. So I wanted to turn our attention to our gospel story. And I know we have a lot of... Uh, Businessmen and women in this uh, community and a lot of bankers and, and other people involved in commerce. And it's easy to think about this story and hear Jesus overturning the tables of the money changers and the people selling the animals and think, wow, is Jesus anti-business? And, uh, you know, we have to think about it. You know, is, uh, should my son and the other baristas stop making coffee at um, coffee hour? Well, I, I think not. Um, if we, we really look at the full context of this gospel today, it takes place in Jerusalem. And this time in Jerusalem, it's just before the Passover. And Jews every year would come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover because it was the remembrance of their deliverance from Egypt. So they were remembering this great thing that happened in their history and came every year. A lot of them came by foot or by animal. And when they arrived into Jerusalem, their role was to go to the temple and offer an animal sacrifice. Well, you can imagine if you're traveling long distances, it's hard to bring your animal with you. So these animal sellers were actually in the temple there with ritually pure animals for these pilgrims to offer their sacrifice at the temple. The money changers were there equally to serve the pilgrims. Now, Jesus was an observant Jew. He knew about these practices. They were common and they were lawful. So Jesus was not upset about this practice. So what was Jesus upset about? Well, it turns out behind the scenes there were an elite group of Pharisees that really had made the business of the temple the primary activity so that when people came there, it was really more about the business than it was about their prayers and worship. In Some scholars believe that the Pharisees were actually gouging the, the pilgrims, and uh, it taking every last shekel for this bi- business enterprise in the temple. So it was not business per se that Jesus was upset about, but the behind-the-scenes things that were going on where people served themselves instead of the worship and prayer of the temple. So I think our baristas are safe. They can serve coffee after, after the service. So... If we look at this through line of the Gospels and all of Jesus' ministry, it's really about social justice and love. And Marcus Borg, uh, the late Marcus Borg, was a wonderful biblical scholar, part of the Jesus Seminar, who I had the pleasure to study with and travel with. And he, he taught me two things. First of all, this ministry of Jesus, he, he talked about these two poles of love and justice and that they always go hand in hand. Love is really the spirit of justice. And justice is the body of love. And these were the actions that Jesus offered in his ministry to us to remember today. 
And if we think about the other thing that Marcus Borg said is he said, God is really the householder of the world. God is the householder of the world. So as householder of the world, what does that look like? Does it look like we realize that we are interconnected to every human being in this earth? Every living creature in the cosmos? As God is householder, we have to ask, does everyone in God's household have enough? And if some people are taking more for themselves and making it difficult for people who are poor and powerless, then maybe God's household isn't running so well. I want to draw the parallel of this household and the work of Jesus in, the, in his ministry in social justice and love to a modern issue in our culture, which is really our food systems. I've been working at some of the public schools in Marin County, and I, last year I had a conversation with some of the uh, teachers at the Bihia Elementary School in the Canal. And one of the teachers told me that a child came in who was in first grade, and he walked into the classroom before school with a sugary drink and a box of crackers. And he sat down at his desk, and the teacher, she told me she scolded him, and she said, why are you bringing that junk food into the classroom? And the child said, well, I just got it from the cafeteria. So why would our schools be offering children unhealthy food? I think we all know the answer. The primary answer is that these unhealthy junk foods are actually much less expensive than healthy and nutritious food. And it's a very complex problem, our food systems. There are a lot of things at play. But if you think about our food systems, of where these unhealthy foods come from, they're grown on massive monocropped farms where they're growing one thing at a time because it's more efficient They're going into factories where there is a lot of efficiency. They're going to distribution centers, and they're given preservatives so that they never go stale. So these products are actually much less expensive to produce than fresh fruits and vegetables because those have to be hand-picked. They have to be stored with refrigeration sometimes. That's expensive, and they have a short shelf life. So if we think about these children in these schools... And, and other people in, I think, less privileged communities, the people that have $5 to spend on dinner, what are they going to buy? They're going to make that, those $5 go the farthest. They're going to buy the most amount of calories to fill their stomachs. But there's a real devastating long-term effect to this, which is really diet-related illnesses. And we see it in our healthcare system that's burgeoning, that is largely a result of diet-related illnesses. And children that live in these communities and adults are so much more likely to develop diabetes and obesity and other diet-related illnesses. So I wanted to actually bring this issue right here into the church because every week we celebrate Eucharist, so we have bread and wine on our altar table. Well, bread and wine are agricultural Crops, they're part of our larger food system. But the bread that Jesus broke with his friends was a a very vital and alive food. 
But in the last 75 years, what has happened to wheat and flour and bread in our food systems has all but robbed it of all of these nutritional benefits. And it's really suffered in two primary ways. One is the nutrition of it. Through all the processing, through the hybridization, through the chemical fertilizers, it's really become largely unhealthy to us. And I think a lot of people are having gluten issues. The other thing is that it damages the environment. It's farmed with a tremendous amount of chemical fertilizers. So if you take our agricultural industry as a whole, it is the largest producer of greenhouse gases, primarily because of transportation and because of the petroleum uh, fertilizers. So if we are celebrating Eucharist with bread that no longer symbolizes life, what is it connecting us to? Because we all know that a sacrament is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual truth. So the outward sign of the bread that many of us are eating is a sign that points to the industrialized food system. It's harming our bodies and polluting the earth. Now, this isn't ubiquitous with all foods, but it is happening in many, many domains. So I wanted to tell you a quick story about that. Uh, A couple years ago, I taught a workshop here at St. John's. It's called Farm to Altar Table, and we looked at how the bread actually gets to the altar table here at St. John's, and Chris was nice enough to give me one of the wafers, and we looked at this whole supply chain of these wafers, and they start in Ohio, and then they go to another mill in Ohio after it's been harvested, and then they go to a distribution center, and then they go to Rhode Island to get made, and then they get shipped to South San Francisco, and then they come here to Ross, traveling 4,500 miles. So Jesus knew that the doorway in is really food, and there's some huge movements that are going on, so I have some good news for you. The people that are working in what's called a a food justice movement, a food movement, are farmers and millers and bakers that I'm working with as an agricultural chaplain that care desperately about restoring the fertility of our soils, about cleaning our water and having fresh air. So these are the people that are driving the local food movement, that are bringing local and organic foods to Safeway and Costco and all the other local foods that we have here in our community. So that's very good news. The other thing I wanted to share with you is some exciting news. Yesterday at the Bishop's Ranch, a group of about 30 adults and children gathered up at the ranch, and we planted heirloom organic wheat right on the field beside, and if you don't know where the Bishop's Ranch is, it's up in Healdsburg, and it's uh, our retreat and conference center for the Episcopal Church. And on the hillside, right below the swing pavilion, it has now been planted with this gorgeous seed. And lots of other churches were up there yesterday and joined us in blessing the seed and in actually scattering the seeds themselves. So that's good news because This summer, if you'd like to come and join us and and take a sickle and learn how to harvest wheat, you can come join us because as that wheat ripens and becomes golden, we will harvest it, it'll be milled, and it'll be made into flour for communion bread. So it will be local, it will be organic, it will be 
help serve our, the nutrients in our soil, and it'll be nutritious to our bodies. And I'm pleased to announce that St. John's Ross is one of the first churches to participate in purchasing this flower, and we'll be serving that beginning next fall for an entire year. All the flower that we grow up at the Bishop's Ranch will be coming here on the altar of St. John's. So... The changes in our food systems are really the same kind of changes that were happening in the temple structure. The industrialized food system, I think, has forgotten that their primary role is to feed people, to nourish people. And unfortunately, trying to drive profits and raise efficiency, they've missed the mark largely. But as I said, there are people doing things, and we hope to take this work of bringing local and nutritious communion bread to every altar in the Episcopal Church in America. Because as we celebrate that, we're actually changing our theology back to what it was intended, the sacrament of something living, something that's nutritious, something that cares for God's creation, will be what nourishes us. It's what connects us to each other and in the mystical body of Christ. So I wanted to close and and share a quote from one of my favorite authors who is also a farmer in Kentucky. Maybe you know his name, uh, Wendell Berry. So Wendell Berry says, eating is an agricultural act. Eating with the fullest pleasure, pleasure that is, that does not depend on ignorance, is perhaps the profoundest enactment of our connection with the world. In this pleasure... We experience and celebrate our dependence and our gratitude, for we are living from mystery, from creatures we did not make, and powers we cannot comprehend. Amen.